Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is not the undercard. This is not the sideshow. This is the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin. Joined by my right-hand man on my left-hand side, Mason Shepard. You know it. I'm always here. How you doing, man? Oh, it's Thursday, which is weird. uh, After doing two Wednesdays, I feel weird doing this on a Thursday. Yep. It's messed my whole week up, I'll be honest. (laughs) And I'm not really sure how to feel about it. But it's always good to be talking sports any day of the week. You know it. And so let's just kind of go right into it because Tuesday, the college football playoff committee had another show with the new rankings released for the college football playoff. And, um, well, not really a whole lot changed because there wasn't a whole lot that happened during the No, this this was really a slow week, to be honest. Like, nothing. This last weekend was just like, eh. Really, the only notable deal was um, Michigan State losing? No. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's week nine. Hold on. Yeah. Week 10. What week are we on right now? There we go. Week 11. Was it Michigan, Michigan State last week that we were talking about? Yeah. It was Michigan, Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. So Michigan State lost. Yeah. Which dropped them down. Surprise, surprise. Um. Uh, to Purdue of all teams. Who I guess is turning into the Big Ten killer right now. Oh God. <laughs> oh. Okay. Because okay, yeah, they moved up to number nineteen now at a six and three. They went from not ranked to number nineteen after beating Michigan State. Uh, you know what? Again, not that that matters at all. No, but... it doesn't matter. But hey, I mean, at least okay, at least with Purdue beating Michigan State. I mean, should we say that they've earned it? Should we say that they've kind of deserved to be nineteen right now, or should it just be like it's Purdue? It was a fluke. No. I mean, they have I'm good either way to be honest. I don't care about Purdue. They did beat Iowa who was number 2 at the time. So they Really? Beat, yeah. And they beat Michigan State who was number 3 at the time. So it you know, okay. Think about the teams that you just named. Iowa, really? Yeah, no. I mean, at the time they 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 were number 2. Now they're number 20. But when still, did they play Iowa? Like week 4. Yeah, no, I'm not giving them credit for no, that. No, uh, week six looks like. But still, oh, come on, man. They're doing something. <sighs> okay, if they beat them in week six, fair enough. Week six, and then, in, uh, yeah, Michigan State shortly after that. So they've had a couple of different... Anyway, that's beside the point. Cause no, <laughs> nobody cares about 19. 19. <laughs> because 19 doesn't get anything in the college football No, play. no, no. We're going to have a whole show on Purdue in 19. <laughs> <laughs> but so Oklahoma was on a bye. Georgia Good. and Alabama won. And Oregon and Ohio State won, and, and Cincinnati won. So basically what happened was Michigan State dropped down to seven, and everybody else just went whoop, Pretty much. up one spot. So you have Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State with Cincinnati looking in at number five. And I'm still convinced that the only way they get in is if Ohio State drops a game and Michigan does not win out, Michigan State does not win out, and Oklahoma does not win out. If they all win out, then one of them's going to jump Cincinnati, i got to think. Well, that, that's the interesting thing. That That's when the Michigan-Ohio State game comes in because Michigan needs to win out, like you said, and they can do that if they beat Ohio State, which they've never successfully done yet with Harbaugh being there. But Ohio State with that, that loss... Could be very, it could be very detrimental. Well, not very detrimental, but it could boost Cincinnati in that in that in that aspect if they stay undefeated. So it, we'll just see. 
Yeah, well, it does help that Ohio State's loss was to Oregon, who's currently yeah. sitting at number three. Exactly. So it's kind of hard to fault them for that one when you lose to number three. Yeah. Um, as, In terms of games this week for top ranking, Cincinnati playing South Florida, so that doesn't really... Uh, I mean, Cincinnati's just looking to win out, and that's the only way that they're... And they got to win big, too, because they almost lost to Tulsa yeah. this past week. They had to do two goal line stands to hold Tulsa. Yeah, no, dude, because we, we talked about this, and I... We all would want to see that Cinderella story, but if they were not going to be oh dominant all year, and when you're not dominant, but you're in the top five facing Tulane and Tulsa, and you barely beat those two teams, then no. And that these games right here show us if they ever faced a team like an Ohio State or a Bama or Georgia, they would get demolished. Yep, they would get hurt. Very, very bad. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I know, like their big win was Notre Dame, and I just don't think Notre Dame is no on the same caliber this year. It's not, but you know, Notre Dame will always end up being because they will always just find some suckers to play or whatever. <laughs> uh, Alabama plays New Mexico State. That's should oh, be a wash. Oh God, that <laughs> is going to be the roughest game of the season. Woo, Bama and New Mexico State. <laughs> Michigan playing unranked Penn State now, and Penn State uh, could. <sighs> You can't sleep on any team in the Big Ten right now. I think. No, you can't. But you also can't rely on them either. But right. you know, you know that'll be an interesting. Where, uh, where is that one being played? That is at Penn State. Okay, so that, so that will be interesting. very interesting. Yeah, which I mean, it's one of those trap games I think for Michigan where you should win if you're going to get into the top four. Oh yeah, the win because it's unranked. Even if it's away, like if you win, it doesn't help that much because they're unranked. But, but it's away. But, I, but I, if you lose, it's huge. But see, I disagree with that only because. Penn State will always be, even though they, they don't win anything, Penn State will always be a predominant name in the Big Ten Conference. Because when you think of the Big Ten, it goes Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. You could make an argument for a team to be above Penn State, but I put Penn State as number four right there. Because those are the four teams that we expect to have good years. Then you have your mediocre teams, your, your Wisconsin's, and your Iowa's, but when it's Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, no, none of those games, Owen something, or they had a, a more of a losing record, then yeah, it would matter. But even though they're unranked, they are still a predominant team in that conference. So a win over them still does matter very much, in my opinion. Because sure. if you, because if Michigan, like you said, because if Michigan loses to them, who knows where that puts Penn State again, and Michigan just proves once again that they're Michigan led by Harbaugh. So, no, I still think that game matters 100%. I agree with you. Speaking of games that matter, OU begins its stretch of three games Good. That, that need to matter versus Good. first one, 13 Baylor is this weekend. Where is that one being played? At Baylor. Oh, yes. I know Baylor. Baylor's coming off a loss, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, because they lost to somebody. Uh, but I... I, I hope Baylor gives them a beating. Um, yes, Baylor lost to TCU, TCU. and still, how, still somehow is ranked 13th. Yeah, I, I, I hope that um, Baylor gives Oklahoma a beating. Um, it won't happen. Uh, the beating won't. But I still think that Baylor, I mean, because Oklahoma, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a UT fan and everything Oklahoma stands for makes me vehemently ill, but <laughs> Oklahoma's not that impressive. Baylor, in my opinion, yeah. actually does have a, impressive 
team more impressive than Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. Which is like being not, the nicest guy in prison, but still. Oklahoma's not impressive. They no. barely managed wins. And so they play Baylor, Iowa State, who yeah. has a history of knocking teams out. Yes. And uh then Oklahoma State, who's ranked number ten currently after that. Problem is that Oklahoma always bullies them. Yes, but I mean it's three games that they have they basically have to win out to get top four. I hope they don't. And I think it's Actually, probably a 75% chance that they don't win out based I, on their current play and the teams they have to face. I like those odds. I would put it I'm 75% going with the 75%. That other 25, uh, we don't need it. But the, I mean, the nice thing for them is if, if they do win out, it's a pretty strong resume to sneak into the top four as the only un, one of the only you know undefeated what? teams left. I changed left. that. I, you know what? I changed all that. I hope they win out. I want them to win out. Because when they went out and they get put in there, I want Bama, I want Georgia, I want them to steamroll them because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I want Georgia to hit them right in the mouth. I want all of them. I want Caleb Williams to come out there, those stupid curls, and I want it to go flying when he gets smashed. Oh, uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, Let's see. Number one, Georgia, Tennessee. Tennessee's been put up some good games, but I don't think enough to threaten no, Georgia. No, no, I mean, if they're, are they playing at home? No, they're playing at Tennessee. I mean, it's tough road games all No, the way no, that's around. what I was talking about, Tennessee. So, yeah, I Tennessee's mean, at home, so. Eh, I think they'll, you know what, I'll give them the first half, they'll make it competitive. Mm-hmm. In the second half, they'll get beat down. It, uh, this looks like it'll probably be, yeah, this is going to be the, Probably most competitive game for the rest of the schedule until the conference championship for Georgia because you got yeah. Tennessee away, then you've got uh, Charleston Southern. Oh God, you couldn't even at get home. Them. I had to click. It said CHSO, and I had to click on the link to see who it was. I have no <laughs> idea who CHSO is. And then Georgia Tech, um, TBD at Georgia Tech, but that's uh, hey, so- hey, you know what? I, I'll I'll say this. That in-state rivalry game, Georgia and Georgia Tech, it's always tough. Yeah, Georgia Tech does occasionally take a game off, but I would still put Tennessee as the most uh, dangerous game left on the schedule. Yeah, no, that's the most dangerous game. I'm not saying that Georgia Tech has a chance of beating Georgia, but they're not going to make it easy for them. I will always say that. Never make it easy for them. Nope. Um, And then Ohio State-Purdue, the big one. Um, Probably... (laughs) In terms of the top four, it's the yeah, big yeah, one. it's it's because um, Purdue obviously knocked off Michigan State and uh, now have their eyes set on Ohio State and makes you kind of wonder if they just keep winning through these top ten opponents. I yeah. wonder where they'll fit and it finish up. But uh, I mean, oh, apparently now, now the good news for this one is Ohio State is home, but. I, it's looking like one of those games where you're kind of all of a sudden like you look had it circled and the schedule is like, oh yeah, this will be fine, and now you're coming into the week as. Oh, because they're, fa- be they're facing Purdue, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no I am. Um, you know, I hope Purdue gives them all they can handle and then some because Ohio State's like Oklahoma. They're not that impressive. But um, at the same time, no, they're, they are playing. It's Columbus, right? Yep. Major, they Playing are playing in Columbus. Columbus. And that's a, one thing I will always give Ohio State credit for. Those crowds, those Buckeye fans are rowdy, mm-hmm. and they go crazy, and they always come out to support. So uh, Purdue, they, they better come to work because if they don't, they, they will get run over. Not because Ohio State's that good, but because 
it's just never a good. Idea. Oh, you know what I would get? Ohio State is like the Seattle of, of college football. You know because <laughs> no, I don't know. No, Please because, explain that okay, one to me. Check this out because you know how you can never count Seattle out of being in the playoffs. Even Which team? Seahawks, bro. Okay. What do you think? Talk about the Supersonic. You go the Mariners, the Kraken. Right. Although they haven't even played a season exactly. full, see the Kraken yet. <laughs> but no, like they're like the Seahawks in that. You can never count them out, even if they don't start off well, and even if you may think, eh, they won't go too far, you can never count them out. Ever. All right. I'm down with that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, for, I'm all for that. Uh, Oregon is going to play Washington State. Should be a wash as well. Eh. Uh, but that, we say it should be a wash, but that is the interesting thing when it gets to this time of this time of year in, in the college Pac-12. football, yeah. yeah, really in any conference, really in any conference, but more so the Pac-12 because you have teams like Washington State, Oregon State, and Washington that really start bouncing these bigger these bigger name schools and these ranked schools. They start bouncing them around and they start making them really lose, like like you were talking about, make them lose traction in their mm-hmm. positions. So I mean, we can say it's a give me, but is it really? Is the question not really? No. So I mean. I'm sp- especially where's that game being played? Is it going to be up in uh that one's in Oregon? Ugh, going to be cold. I mean, they're both going to be cold because yeah, yeah, yeah. one's Washington yeah. State, <laughs> but there's um, Oregon. It's not that far away. Eh, mm, I don't know. Being, I mean, let's face it, because being in Oregon and being in Spokane is not going to be really that big of a difference. But yeah. at the same time, you you want your team to be prepared. So yeah, it's I, not, it's not like playing in Tampa and having to travel up to Lambeau. For oh the playoffs. no, no, that's that's worse. Odell Beckham Jr., ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> taking that boat trip. Michigan State playing Maryland, another one that they should win. Um, uh, mm, mm, I don't know. Only because okay, is that game in Maryland? Nope. Michigan State. At okay, home. then yeah, they'll win that one. But if it was Maryland at home, they would give Michigan State a run for it. And then we've got some good games that probably won't affect like the top four at all at, in the grand scheme of things, like Texas A and M number eleven versus number fifteen Ole Miss. It's going to be a good game. That will. That, in my opinion, is game of the week because that is going to be a good one. Where is that one? Is it going to be? That is in Ole Miss. Ooh, no, that traveling in hostile territory. That is going to be game of the week. I think that, so too. That's, that's a good. That's a very good matchup, and a, they're both kind of evenly ranked. So I'll give them that. And it's better than the. Uh, <laughs> Than the other evenly ranked North Carolina State at 16 versus Wake Forest at number 12. Uh, who cares? That's the game. That's the game you go to the bathroom on. You stay in there. Oh, uh, yeah. There's plenty of 6:30 games. You can pick a different <laughs> one to watch. And that'll pretty much wrap up the schedule for this week. Um, I don't. I think OU Baylor and a OU Baylor AM and Ole Miss are probably the week. Yeah, games of the week. Um, and the rest of them. Should be wins, theoretically, for the top teams. But we just never know. You never know. So we have to leave it up to chance on that. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to see how the rest of it goes down here next week, and then we'll just keep taking a look as it goes along and keep analyzing and evaluating as we always do. Yep. And that'll do our college football segment. Coming up next, oh, God, it's terrible to be a Cowboys fan right Uh, now. I won't say it's terrible. It's pretty bad. Stay tuned.
welcome back to the main event. We live here, we stay here, we never go home. Never. <laughs> I have a hammock over there in the corner. <laughs> Mine's is, right above him. This is my <laughs> funk bed hammock. That's cute. <laughs> we have to bring some uh, some lightheartedness to today's Cowboys segment because yeah. the Cowboys didn't bring any to the Cowboy game. No. After getting absolutely trounced by the Broncos. Ooh, that, that just don't feel right. No. Did that wor- Those words and that combination and that sentence did not feel right coming mm. out of my mouth. No. I hate seeing it more on the field. It was really just bad all the way around. Offense, defense, special teams. Oh, God. Where Actually, do we begin? The special teams I'll give a pass on because the only real bad thing I saw from special teams was that punt. And I don't even blame the guy in the punt because how often do you block a punt and it goes past the line of scrimmage still? I have no idea. No. See, that was the crazy thing. I saw it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is definitely Dallas ball. Yeah. And then the refs were like, well, it didn't pass a certain point because it was behind the line of scrimmage, right? Or so it, the punt was tipped or blocked. Tipped, yeah. And it still traveled past the line of past scrimmage. Past the line of scrimmage. So, therefore, it's just like any other punt, punt. where if it hits the receiving, receiving team, team, it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs. That is so stupid. But, to me. like, you never see a blocked punt go past no, the line of scrimmage never. still. So. I don't blame the guy. At, I don't. I don't remember who touched it, but I don't blame the guy at all for trying to make a play because I'm pretty sure everybody no, was like, because, "Oh, that was I mean, ball. I mean, you got to do what you have to do, but at the same time, man, it's just like, you know, like like you said, offense didn't play well. I'll get to why that was in a minute. Defense, excuse me, they didn't play well. I said this. I said this um, off air. I was like, this is this was eight and eight Cowboys play, and that's what it was. Because the problem was with, um, and I told this to you on uh, last a couple a uh, couple weeks ago when they were about to play Minnesota, I said Dak needs to play that game because if he doesn't, we're gonna see what we saw here. Dak Prescott threw two touchdowns, yeah, but late when the game when the game was over, oh yeah, garbage, and time. he was te- he he didn't play terrible, but he was not good on his timing and his mechanics were off in that he was overthrowing people. Now the receivers and Cooper should be ashamed of himself. For that bad drop. He has been in the league almost over 10 years now. And he dropped one right in the bread basket. That was embarrassing. I counted seven or eight drops. And I'm just going to go out right now and say it. I disagree that I don't that you think that Dak didn't play terrible. I thought that was Dak's worst game of all time. No, it was his worst. It was his he, worst game of all time. I'm just, I can't say that he was just, you know, throw him away in the dumpster. But it was his worst some game. Some of them it sure looked like. He was missing long. Yeah. He was not. I mean, yes, there were a bunch of drops, but he was missing high. He was yeah. missing some low. No, he was overthrowing people. But that's why I said he needed to play against Minnesota because, unfortunately, Cowboy management thinks it's a good idea to baby him when he's got a little bit of a hangnail. And they wanted to like, no, we don't want him to practice. No, we want him to. No. If he, feel like, if he feels like he can go and if even the medical team feels like he, he can go, let him go. But see, Dallas wanted to play it safe, and then Cooper Rush got in there. Yeah, we won against Minnesota. That's great. But Dallas went in there, and it was the worst, honestly, one of the worst Cowboy games that I've watched because everything was bad. Defense, Denver Broncos. Have they even reached 30 before that game with us? Because um, I don't think they have. I can certainly look. That's a good question because, yeah, this has not been. No. I know they got to 17 the week before against uh, the Washington football team. Whoop-de-doo. This is not a team that uh, has been particularly 
good throughout no. any part of the uh, of the season. No. And they put 30 on us. This was That's embarrassing. They at, when we're at home, it'd be I would even sacrifice that if we were in mile high. This was in fact the first time they've hit 30 all season. Exactly. And you know what's going to be more embarrassing when it's the last. And god, it, that was that was horrible. We got goose egged throughout the entire first half, then third quarter didn't put up any points until what was it six minutes until the in the fourth quarter Something when the like game that. was over. Yeah, it was the worst game I've ever. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. And yes, that was that. Everybody had a bad day. Pollard four carries for it was eleven yards. Zeke I think was ten for fifty one. Dak was nineteen to thirty nine. So no, I agree with you. Worst game he's ever played. It was it was got McCarthy. Even McCarthy was terrible. Going for, what was it, four fourth downs? Yep. Went it's, for it. We didn't get one. And God. Those first two were inexcusable. I oh, mean, yeah. you've got fourth and one, and I know you're trying to be aggressive. And I kind of, the first one I was almost okay with. It's one of those ones where. It's setting the tone that setting, you're playing aggressive and you're playing to win. Yes. And but it's still not smart. If it works out, you look like a genius. And if it doesn't work, then we rightfully call you on it being dumb. Yes. Now, the second one, just dumb. take the points. Yeah. Take the points. You're, it's still 0 0 at that point. Yeah. Go up 3-0. Give a little bit of something to your team. Yeah. No, we're, we're going to go for it and then give the ball back to Denver in good field position. Because that, that's what he wanted to do. And that was not that was unexcusable. And the fact that we even... Because that's the part that embarrasses me. We went three whole quarters. And most of the fourth, nothing. No points. It was embarrassing. We're a team, because this is this is why I'm not one of those Cowboy fans who says it's our year, because you never know. That's why watching Cowboy games is so stressful. It gets your blood pressure up faster than a bucket of chicken, because it's just one of those things where it's like, how is Dallas going to potentially make us feel good as fans and themselves as a team or embarrass all of us? And that was embarrassing. Good God. Well, let me tell you what I saw on Sunday. You see this. A lot in every sport at every level. We're a really good team who's got maybe a little bit too much swagger, a little too much confidence because they get hyped up, go up against a team that is middle of the pack or bad. And they don't take them seriously. They go in thinking we're going to roll over them because we're the Whedon boys. And they come out and they get punched in the mouth. And the, what's the saying to beat a bully? You have to punch them right in the mouth. And the Cowboys were bullies. They got punched in the mouth, and they stumbled back. They were stunned. They didn't know what to do. And then the rest of the game just collapsed from there. Yeah. The Broncos came out and punched the boys in the face, and they were humbled, I hope. Oh, I hope so, too. I hope this was a wake-up call. Yeah. I hope this is a reminder that this is the NFL, and you don't roll over anybody in any given week. You have to show up. Yeah. And I think that actually makes this next game the most important game of the season. Oh, yeah. Because if you if we thought losing to Denver was bad, can you imagine if we lose to the Atlanta Falcons? Well, not even that. It's just the the game after a game like that is the tone setter for the rest of the season, right? Oh, yeah. That's when you find out what kind of team the Cowboys are have, and what yeah. kind of resilience they have and what kind of leaders you have in the locker room, right? Is this a game 
where the players at the end and Dak Prescott, I mean, Dak's the leader. Is this a game where Dak is going to go in and go like, oh man, that sucked. And then, you know, you kind of lose to Atlanta and then you no, lose to Kansas that, City I, I and you start Dak losing on a roll. That, that's, that's not Dak. And I don't see either, but he's got to be the one, because obviously it's not McCarthy that's getting players ready no, to go. No, no. We, we've seen the speeches on Hard Knocks. Very uninspiring. So he's got to be the one that gets players going. So that means this game, everybody's got to show up. Everybody that's yes. healthy, that is. Oh boy. And they have to go out and they have to play like the Cowboys that we that they know and they and we think they are. And that we've seen uh, the Cowboys yes. that can beat anybody, mm-hmm. almost beat the reigning Super Bowl champions. So here's here's how highly everybody thinks of the Cowboys. They were absolutely thrashed at home against the Broncos. Do you know what the line is for this week against Atlanta at home? What Cowboys are a nine point favorite after all that. Yeah, which we sh- it's it. Come on. It's Atlanta. Now, Atlanta is one of the most inconsistent teams that have ever been in the NFL, and it's not even inconsistent on, well, sometimes they have good years. You don't know what type of year Atlanta's going to have because they are one year they're on the way to the Super Bowl. Next year, they they win two games. Atlanta is a joke right now, and they've been for the last five years since then. Right. But my thing is with Dallas is that, we And it's like you said, and I 100% agree, and that was my thought process, was they came in here, they weren't prepared, they thought they were going to roll over Denver. Because let's face it, Javante Williams played his best game that he's played this season. Mm-hmm. 100, I think it was 118 rushing yards on the ground. Yep. And he, without a shadow of a doubt, may not reach that again this season. <laughs> and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock the guy or the Broncos, but they're not that good. No. And who is this guy? And because it's embarrassing when Dallas, but you saw how they played against Minnesota in Minnesota because they were motivated. They stopped Dalvin Cook, who no offense to Javante Williams, he's a professional athlete, something I'm not, but Dalvin Cook is better than him. They held Dalvin Cook to 78 yards. They let this unknown, because that is what he is, get over 100 yards, over six yards of carry. That's embarrassing. And it's not like Denver's line is great because that's one of their biggest problems is that O-line. But Dallas was not prepared. They And, and see, that's, that's becoming one of my problems with the Cowboys organization in general. We just have a lot of guys who are just out there, okay, I get to play football, I'm happy about it. They don't go out there with the intensity. They don't go out there to play. That's why these the first six games where they were on a winning streak were impressive to me because they were playing – with that intensity, they wanted to win, yeah. but it's, then they come out, and then it's just we we beat the the bye week curse that we always have, where we don't play well after a bye. But then, literally the week after we the bye, we just delayed the curse. By we a just week. delayed it. <laughs> God, you, you're exactly right. We delayed it. It's but no, that was I never want to see that type of Cowboys football again this season. I'm not saying that that's a guarantee that that won't happen, but. I don't want to see football. If they lose, I want them to go down swinging at least like they did with Brady. For sure. Not not like this to, to Denver. You know who I think is going to have the – or who is most important on this rebound game? Who? Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. He was so heavily exposed by the Broncos game plan of we are going to double move him the very first play that he sees. Yeah. We're going to double move him, and we're going to put that doubt in his mind. And – it it worked. He was not good at no. all. And I think that just shows the rest of the league. If you put a double move on him early and make him 
think about it and make because he loves to jump the ball. Yes. And he will jump if you give him the opportunity to jump. But as soon as you put that double move in, you slow him down. He's not so confident. No. And if he does jump, then you've got a touchdown. You've got him beat already. Yeah, exactly. So I think this this game for Trayvon Diggs is going to be huge just because he's everybody's got the game plan now. So yeah. is he able to adjust, or is this going to be the same Trayvon Diggs that's going to be giving up a whole bunch of passing yards for the next six weeks? I think the thing that we've noticed with Trayvon, and this is my opinion, and we're obviously this is a sports podcast, ladies and gentlemen, so we're going to go back and forth on this, but... In my opinion, Trayvon Diggs is not a is not a technique corner. What I mean by that is he is a corner who relies solely on athleticism alone. Look at look at Richard Sherman. He's an athlete, but he had technique. He was able to learn routes. And 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 see that's the thing. Diggs has a similar path that Sherman did in that they were wide receivers who turned corners. So really they would have an advantage. But the problem is Diggs relies, and you can see, you want to know how I know that? You can see that when he jumps for that ball because he's thinking, okay. He's high pointing that the whole way. He's like, okay, uh, I may not be sure on the route, but it looks like that ball is going to stop here. I can use my athleticism and jump out in front of this guy and grab it. And then the guy has caught the slant and he's up the field on him. He's a playmaker, but not a lockdown corner. No, I would never call he him is that. Not he's a going, playmaker yeah. corner, yes. He is the kind of guy where if he's in zone coverage and can use his athleticism to go make a play, then you're golden. But as soon as you get into man coverage, he's going to get beat on routes. And if you do the double move early, he's going to jump on it early, or he's going to sit back, and then you've got underneath routes for days. Yes, and I think, I think that's what we— and the reason why this is a shock, I think we saw this his rookie year. Now, when you're a rookie, you, you kind of get a little bit of a break because you're a rookie playing in the National Football League. But we saw that because he was getting beat just like Brown does. And we all know Brown can't cover a bed with a blanket. So at this point, it's just one of those things where it's like he has got to learn, Diggs does, he has got to learn how to stop routes. He's got to learn how to follow his receivers. He's got to learn how to become that because let, let's face it okay because we, we're seeing this now he can't survive on being an, a, a playmaker corner or an athletic corner for too long because he's going to keep getting beat by technique he needs to learn routes he needs to learn how to follow and check his receivers and be that because he's got great size what, he, what is he over six feet six two six one uh something like that yeah he's he's, he's got a, he's fantastic size so he needs to use that because you can you imagine a lockdown corner the same size as you? It's terrifying. But he's focusing too much on I'm going to use my speed. I'm going to use my athletic ability instead of let me use my mind. Let me learn this route. You ready for a little HSO here? I think that seven game pick streak or six game pick streak, whatever it was, I think that actually reinforced whatever bad habits he still had from his rookie year. Because he finally had success with it for like six games in a row, right? Yeah. And he was jumping routes. And as soon as somebody said, well, let, let's double move you right now. Yeah. Then he wasn't able to adjust. Yeah. but And you know what? This is his second year. That shows the immature. That's why I'm saying he's got to strengthen this because his his brain. Because he he is he's being immature in the way that he's thinking about this. Because, yeah, it's great. Because I remember we had talked about this. And I had said, I don't want him. To be focused on his, his, you know, because now, now that's non-existent and doesn't matter anymore. I didn't want him to be focused on that to begin with. I wanted him to be focusing on 
yeah, let, let's help. Let's let's be a driving force that that helps the team win. I I didn't want him focused on some record. And it's like what you said, you know, teams know how to solve his puzzle, but it shows how weak his strength, how weak in that mindset he really is. If by now people are like, okay, we're just gonna double move him every single chance because he got beat on long, short, medium. It didn't matter. He got beat on all of it. But what was it Tim Patrick? So yeah. it's just like. You have to learn as a corner that you are going to have to do more than be athletic. And I don't think that he's figured that out yet. Unfortunately, I just, I don't think he's figured that out. I had that figured out when I was playing corner in high school. I was like five, nine, <laughs> 130 pounds soaking wet in the rain with pads on. But I watched a ton of film because I knew I couldn't compete with somebody that's six two. but I knew if I knew what route was coming based on the formation and where they were lined up and what kind of stance that they were in, I knew I could jump around then or I could make a better play on that. It's the same thing. It's just you when you have the talent and you don't put in the work, there's only so far that talent will get you. Yeah, and I I will say this. Now he uh we saw us on Hard Knocks. He was working with some of the with one of the best corner trainers. But again, you know, that will not always resonate to, to in-game stuff. But I'm bringing that up in that he does put in the work, but he's not putting in the right work. You know, he's focusing on training his body. He's got to train his mind, man. Like I said, that's what made Richard Sherman so great. That's what made Darrell Revis great, was that these guys mentally, not just physically, mentally could lock you down. And yeah, sure, they got beat, but it wasn't, sometimes it was egregious. But it wasn't all the time. Darrell Rebus didn't start getting beaten egreg egregiously until he got old. Right, but that's because when you came out in a formation, they had it narrowed down to about like three or four, like no matter what down or distance, and it, it may change, but they knew when you came out of the huddle in that formation, depending on all the information they had, they were like, okay, it's going to be like one of three or four things. Yeah. And then so that narrows it down to, you know, tremendously and makes their ability to play as a corner that much easier. Yeah. And yeah, it's not going to be easy for Trayvon either with the news that Randy Gregory, the Cowboys leading pass rusher right now is out for multiple weeks with a calf injury. And theoretically we'll get DeMarcus Lawrence back. Theoretically. I don't know. Um, Steve, I would like to, I'd like to as well. And Michael Gallup is, Neither of them are listed on the injury report, but they've been replaced by a whole host of people. Um, Amari Cooper was limited in practice yesterday with a hamstring. Ezekiel Elliott limited with a knee injury. Um, they'll probably play. That's not too bad. No, it's just no, limited reps. they'll play. Um, at least uh, Jaron Curse and CeeDee Lamb were listed as full participants. Um, Tyrone Smith is doing ankle rehab, and Cedric Wilson did not practice with a shoulder injury. So there's going to be quite a few people out. Hopefully we'll get, you know, Gallup in to replace Wilson. Um, I like Noah Brown, but Wilson, yeah. I, uh, Gallup, I think, would be an upgrade. And, of course, with uh, Greg Zerline being <laughs> We had to look this oh, up, boys, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, because uh, the Cowboys have picked up, and I had to look up how to pronounce this, Liram Hyrulahu, oh, boy. who is a Kosovo-born Canadian gridiron place kicker. He is a Grey Cup champion, so that's... That's good. He kicked the game-winning field goal in the 105th Grey Cup in 2017. Um, really? And he's a two-time Canadian Football League East Division All-Star. Now, 
to be fair, we're all going like, okay, Garrett Gilbert, yeah, sure, whatever. And he actually played relatively well. Garrett Gilbert, the difference between Garrett Gilbert and that guy, Garrett Gilbert sat under one of the best learning trees for a while, and that was Tom Brady when he played when he was on New England's team. Garrett Gilbert, I wish Diggs would take this up. Garrett Gilbert learned. And I'm not saying he turned into the next version of Brady or Rodgers or, or whatever, but he learned how to d be sufficient, and he played well. Now, he it didn't get him a spot on the team, no, but at least Garrett Gilbert, you could tell that he had been learning. And it's the same thing really with any, when you look at the backups, in my opinion, the greatest backup quarterback in the, in the modern history, Colt McCoy, I mean... Look at look at how many teams he's been on because he's learned from so many people and he's learned how to play. So when it comes to kicking, I was about to say I agree with you on that, but kicking when it comes to kicking, kicking, kicking is kicking. But yeah, but the thing is, if we could, you could name off his accolades with the Grey Cup and Canada and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, it will never compare to kicking as a Dallas Cowboy in the National Football League. If it makes you feel any better, he's also done practice squad work with the Rams and the Panthers. Why would that make me feel better, Ryan? Because he's got a little bit of NFL experience, at least. No, he has squad. Practice, practice squad experience. Not yeah. NFL experience. Okay. Practice squad experience. Would you rather him have only Canadian football experience or Canadian practice Hey, to be fair, Cameron squad? Wake had only Canadian football experience. We see how he turned out. Should we... <laughs> Admit, would that be a fun segment if we did Canadian football, like the best Canadian football players of all time? Because Johnny people, Mansell is up not, there, not right? For, not for people up in Canada. They'd hate us for that. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> so the Cowboys will take on the Atlanta Falcons at noon at home and hopefully do just anything better. I would, Like you said, it'd be even fine with a loss if they just show up and play. Exactly. But really anything's going to be better than what they did last time, right? Yep. Well, don't go anywhere. Coming up next, we're going to do the most hated of people because we had some developments oh, recently yeah. in the past It's going to get interesting, folks. So we're going to talk about the most hated athletes of yeah. all time. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the main events. Aaron Rodgers Ooh. was fined money. It's fourteen thousand dollars. Real human dollars. Fourteen thousand. As well as the Packers. Uh, Three hundred thousand. For straight up lying about being vaccinated. I don't care what you say about it. He straight up lied. And by the yes. way. I have a problem with the amount of money that he was fined because CeeDee Lamb has already been fined $50,000 this year for uniform violations. Yeah, I had been seeing reports about that. Will they ever get over that? Because he didn't tuck his jersey in. That's it. That's it. And the fact that he didn't wear, like, socks that covered his knees. I'm like, dude, you're going to— The NFL is not fun. No. <laughs> the no-fun league. I see why it's called that. But then you're only going to fine Aaron Rodgers, like, what, $15,000 Because he can— get, Okay, folks, if this is going to get too political for you, so be it. It's because, look, let's just face the facts here, all right? Aaron Rodgers can get away with it because he is a successful white athlete. That's why he can get away with it. I think it's more—I mean, that may be part of it, but I do think 
it's because the NFL agreed to certain rules when it came to the COVID protocols and what they could and could not find them. Because this makes the league look really, really bad, right? Of course it does. So I have to imagine that if they could suspend him or find him more, they would. Yeah, I think you're being way too optimistic about that. No, I think that this particular incident merits a suspension, in my opinion. No, no, it, 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 no. I'm not disagreeing so with think, you on that. I'm saying would the league do it? No, they I, they would. No, I can't see them doing that. Uh, and and it's not even about the you know we get into the race politics thing later, but it's not even that. Do you it's think it's just, just the Packers deal? No, like, not even. It's not even that. It's just because the NFL. No fun league. Uh, you know, good, that, that's how I'm addressing them from now on because that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the no fun league really just, they they like to pick and choose who they really put the hammer down on. And like I said, there is favoritism towards Rodgers because he's white for one and quarterback is another one. And he is, I mean, because let's face it, and the reason they couldn't do it for this, in my opinion, again, this gets a little political, but when you when it's something that involves COVID, we already know how a lot of citizens in the United States feel about COVID procedures and precautions and whatever. Some of them don't like it. When you're going to say that you're going to suspend somebody for that, that backlash you're going to get is incredibly bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. The decision they made here, finding him Super Bowl champion, MVP, you know, legend in, in my era of the NFL, $14,000. Like like that puts such a dent in his wallet. You, uh, you're kidding me. I've got the math on that because somebody did a, did the math for yeah. it. Yeah, um, a fifteen thousand dollar fine for someone making twenty two point uh, four million dollars per year, as Rogers is, is equivalent to a thirty three dollar fine for someone making fifty thousand dollars per year. Yeah, that's like a parking ticket I got here because I forgot to do the <laughs> I forgot to do paid parking when I parked in the parking garage. Exactly. That's all he's getting for straight up lying and breaking multiple protocols. See, you know, this is this is my opinion on, on, on that. I have lost respect for Aaron Rodgers because I had heard all the stories about Greg Jennings not really liking playing with him. And we've all heard about how Aaron Rodgers would blame his receivers if he didn't have a good game. But beyond all that, the fact that he didn't have the intestinal fortitude to man up and just say, no, I'm not vaccinated. I don't really. You, you know what the difference between him and Kyrie Irving is? Kyrie Irving is, is in PG terms for radio, okay? And, you know, we can't go after people because the FCC. Kyrie Irving has proven to be very ignorant. But at least he owns up to it. He at least owns up to the fact that he thinks the earth is flat. There's players in the NFL that have perfectly that have said, like Cole Beasley and Carson Wentz, they're like, you know, I don't want to get vaccinated for D-hop, X reason. D-hop. Even D-hop, yeah. So, yeah. And no. these guys owned up to it, and they follow the protocols. It's really not that big of a deal. But, but he chose, because Aaron Rodgers, for some reason, didn't want people to throw shots at him, I guess, even though now he's showing that he doesn't care. He chose to lie, and now it's, he's making some frilly, willy-nilly thing about it. Like, oh, you know, I said I was immunized. But who cares? But there's other methods of dealing with COVID and all this other stuff. Aaron Rodgers has lost my respect. Not that he cares. He's some kid in Denton. But he has just proven that he's just not honest. Because as I told you off air, it's not just the NFL that he lied to or the media that he lied to. He lied to the folks at ABC who have strict, very strict 
uh, COVID protocol, and you have to get your COVID vaccine. That's not. That's not. It's not. It's not the NFL over at ABC. It's not a recommendation. It is a requirement. And he fooled them when he went to go do Jeopardy. He fooled them. So who knows how they're going to deal with it? Not that it matters because he's not there anymore. But still, so he lied to them. He's lied to a whole bunch of people, and he does not seem to care. And when you find someone who is arrogant as he is, arrogant Aaron Rodgers, when you find someone like he is only $14,000, it's pathetic. And it just shows that, you know what, certain people will just always be allowed to get away with certain things. So why do we bring this up? Well, Mason had the fantastic idea of asking, who are the most hated athletes in sports? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is up there in most hated sports no. athlete. He definitely no. didn't gain any fans. But look, here's how. <laughs> no, he might have. So my wife is a Cowboys fan. Yes. Watches some Cowboys games. I wouldn't call her a football fan because she doesn't really watch football. She just watches Cowboys. She despises Aaron Rodgers. Even before this. She yeah, no, a lot of people, a lot of people did. Our friend Sarah Baskins, the NTTV sports director, great woman, she despises him. I do. Even before this, I just had a little bit more respect for him. I was always very uh, just kind of neutral on him. I didn't, like, like him, but I didn't, like, I mean, he. I understood he was a good quarterback. I think we can and all it, understand that, this, yeah. This made me go, you're just, wow, okay, yeah, I got no respect for you anymore. No. So, but then this brings us to the most hated athletes of all time, and it's really uh, interesting I mean, what people come up with. It's and... subjective, but at the same time, look, um, you 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 have to throw Mike Tyson in there, yeah, because people for legal issues and for the way he carried himself and still does, he's just more you know condensed with how he does it now. Mike Tyson's on there. If you're gonna go the boxing route, don't forget Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's well. on there. But see, the reason, and I'm gonna go a little bit in depth on this. The reason why Floyd Mayweather is because Floyd Mayweather may be one of the most egotistical, self-involved, self-righteous men to ever walk the face of this planet. He is a rich man who gives none of that to charity. He gives none of that to build schools or even help children or do anything. He just keeps it so he can brag about the new woman he has for the week or a new bag or a new car or a new watch. He's, he's one of the worst athletes as far as being a role model again at least own it charles barkley he's like I, he's like i'm here to play basketball do not make me a role model because i am not no at least he owned it with people like floyd mayweather whether you say something about it or you don't there is someone who looks up to floyd they shouldn't they need to get mentally evaluated if they do because he does not care and i think that is what makes him one of the i i, I don't hate him but I, I definitely disagree with how he just flaunts his money but gives none of it back to a community. And then you have, so, like, it's a weird kind of, when you're analyzing something like this, you have to decide, are we looking at them for on and off the field? Are we looking at them for their entire life? Are we looking at them for just a certain peak where they were, like, the unequivocally most hated person? Because I know you brought up, um, like, if we're looking at just one segment in time, you brought up somebody that I had no argument against for most hated athlete of all time. If you yeah. want to go into that, yeah, with uh, Muhammad Ali, um, you know, and, and even then, and, and I guess it's just <laughs> the black in me. I'll, I'll admit to that. 
I would still put him in the in the all time, even though yes, he everybody reveres him as a legend now, and, and as as uh, and as he got older, and they found about his Parkinson's, and you know when he passed away, uh, rest in peace to the greatest. But Muhammad Ali got so much hate for not wanting to be drafted into the army, which again, I again, I don't blame him for that. I don't, you know, it went against what he believed, uh, you know, in his religion, and it was also, you know, he had a point where at that time. He was like, you know, people in this country don't treat me any better. Why would I fight for this? And he was 100% right. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're not trying to get too political, but I will say this. I've had two grand—I had I had a great-grandfather, and I had a, uh, my grandfather on my father's side, and my great-grandfather on my mom's. They both fought in World War II, and when they came home, they received the most— disrespect well I, i'm pretty sure if it's my great-grandfather it was more world war one but anyway they received the most disrespect and they served this country in in the biggest wars to date as far as you know this country's involved and they still came home and were treated lower than animals and segregated so i don't blame muhammad ali for that and that of course caused people to hate him but of course ryan brought up the good point that you know when he came back to boxing and became more of a, of a public figure in that realm um people let up a little a little bit but i mean i, I want to ask you ryan what what does that say that when and yes i'm going to use this term when a black man at that time chose to stand up against the country and not go for his religious beliefs, and because of the way society was, what does that say when he went back to entertaining people who, yeah, yeah, a lot of them were white at the time, what does that say that when he goes back to entertaining people that, oh, okay, we'll let up on him now, uh, we're not going to really hate him. What, what does that say about country and society? It says that since the beginning of time, winning cures everything. Wow. And that's all there is to it. Like, not, let, let's be real. If Muhammad Ali was not the GOAT at that time, do you think he would get any less praise for what he did or any less hate? Or is it because he's the greatest of all time that everyone goes like, man, that was like wrong and they let off him murder? So early. what you're saying is the reason we still talk about that is because he was a winning boxer. No, I'm saying that he could have gone like 500 yeah. in his career, right? And people would still be like, yeah, he was a pretty good boxer, but you remember that time when he... Yeah, no, that will always be because that's what Muhammad Ali's really remembered for. But, but of course, boxing. Yeah. But that was greater, and he's even said that that was the greatest thing, mm -hmm. a part of what his career was. That and it was what he did outside the ring because he was right. Yes, and, and I don't disagree that he no, was right. Yeah, but. I know, but it's just it it just it just goes into, and then we'll move on. It just goes into what does that say? That as soon as the black man chooses to go back to entertaining people, okay, we're, we're, we're not mad anymore. That says something. I, I Like I said, I think it's that winning is a cure-all for everything. Keeping it in sports terms, huh? Yes. Win <laughs> winning solves everything. And yeah. I mean, it really does. I think that any like anytime a coach is having an issue— those issues go away as soon as you start winning, as soon as you go like 12 and 0, right? Yeah. As soon as you have issues like with chemistry or anything in the court, as soon as everybody starts coming together and winning, issues gone. No, you don't hear anything negative. You just hear the negative when things are going south. But that's my own personal opinion. Yeah, on that on that one. Um, so be beyond that, uh, OJ Simpson 
that that's going to be yeah. on there. Yeah, and then so you have those ones where you have like the Aaron Rodgers, you have the guy, you have the liars, right? You have somebody like Lance Armstrong. Oh yeah, winning led a lot of people down. Every yeah. one seven Tour de France's cancer survivor continually said he didn't dope and came out against doping multiple times. And then what happens? Turns out he was doping the whole time. Yeah. Ha, ha, imagine that. The perfect American boy story as far as I, I'm a winner. I survived cancer. Mm-hmm. But I still lied. It's like that. It, it's like, you know how you said the people that view Floyd Mayweather as a hero need to have their brain checked. Yeah. At the time, that was the guy to have as your hero. Right, he had survived. Followed, every, yeah, 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 he followed cycling. Really, for most athletes, yeah, too. for most or athletes, cancer, yeah. But his, you know, his foundation did a lot for people. His yes, live strong foundation, and just to have that all that shattered, it's like never meet your heroes. Like went across the entire country because everybody was just their dream, their picture of him was shattered, and every quote that he had, it was it was yeah. viewed as false. Um, um, man, there's it's maybe we should have gone by sport no, because I mean, like no, boxers, we, have... but I don't think that you can. And you know, because you know, here's another person before I get to my my big one, Ronda Rousey. In, in my opinion, at the this is one of those at the time, but she was very hated because Ronda Rousey was very flippant in what she would say, and she would got very arrogant in her career. And then when she lost, everybody was happy. Mm-hmm. They were making fun of her. They were glad that she lost. And the, the reason you heard that was because, oh, she was just so cocky. And she was so arrogant. And I couldn't stand her. And no, so I, I won't put her on like most hated at all time because obviously not. There are people who are still fans. I would even c- include myself. But I would include her on athletes that have been hated to a very high degree. Yes. Because everybody was happy when she lost. Um, I would say that my biggest one, and yes, I'm going here, folks. My biggest one would have to be Michael Vick because Vick, we all, if you haven't heard the story, you know, look it up, but it involved dog fighting and he went to prison and America, and I'll even say this, especially white America, complete their blinders closed to anything else this guy ever does in life past that point because you can run into someone on the street today and you can ask them, how do you feel about Michael Vick? And they will always tell you, dogfighting, forget this guy. I was in sixth grade and his name came up and my teacher called him a dirtbag. Now, I know wow. dirtbag is like the one of the most cheesiest things you could say in that moment, but no, like, for it, for me for it to be 2014 and Vic had stopped playing by that point for it to be 2014 and, and that teacher still felt the need to call him a dirt bag it just shows you that that hate is never going away for him and oh, I think God. it should because ladies and gentlemen I have two dogs I've had dogs all my life I've had pets all my life I love animals I love zoology so I'm, I, I'm very animal empathetic so yeah I was disheartened to hear about that happening. But when you carry this hatred, let's not forget that Vic voluntarily, because remember, when you go to prison, there's nothing mandated that you have to do. That is your mandate, that you are serving time. It's kind of like what's going on with uh, uh, Henry Ruggs in that, you know, if he serves time, that that is what he has to do. He does, They're not going to mandate him to go to seminars and stuff. 
But if he had gotten out and he wouldn't have to go to jail, then he would have. But with Vic, he, on his own volition, on his own will, went to PETA and spoke out and did organizations and did charity work. And you could say, well, that was to get him back and leave, whatever. But he did that on his own. He did that because he knew what he did was wrong. He knew he threw his career away. But at some point, I just think the American people have got to get over that. And I, you know, I know that may be flippant to some, but I just think at some point people have got to get over the dog fighting because, yes, that was cruel to those animals and they did not deserve it. But I want you to think about this, ladies and gentlemen. There's a quarterback in the NFL. His name is Ben Roethlisberger. He was accused of something that I'm not going to name on the air, but he was accused of something that affected another person's life. And to this day, people don't talk about it or they act like it doesn't exist. Brett Favre, same thing. But yet it's either forgotten or it's acted like it did not exist. Why is that? Now, I'm not going to give you all of the answers here, but why is that? Dog fighting. Now, keep in mind, dogs are special. Got a special place in my heart and a lot hearts of a lot of other people. But last time I checked, Ryan, those are animals. Am I right? Those yep. are animals. Yep. What happened to people, people forgotten about, neglected, ignored, settlements, but yet when it's dog fighting with a black man, and yes, I'm going there, never forgotten. When it's Ray Rice, Never forgotten. But when it's the Giants kicker whose wife had to stay in a separate hotel from him because of how violent he would get, nothing. When it's Kobe, God rest his soul, and his accusation, that's a part of his history. But Favre, Roethlisberger, same same accusation as Kobe, nothing. Nothing. You tell me why that is, Ryan. Only thing I would argue there is that all the people you mentioned were way more successful than Roethlisberger. Maybe not Favre, but nobody talks about Favre anymore. But that's only thing I can think of is that they were actually more successful and therefore more people want to drag them down. Because I think that is another thing too, is when you reach a certain level of success, you get people that just actively bring that up and try and drag you down no matter what. Um, and I mean, because... I'm not going to say it happens every time, but think of Ray Lewis. Most of that Ray Lewis murder trial gets swept under the rug most of the time. Nobody cares about the Ray Lewis, Lewis murder trial. Uh, I never hear anybody talk about that. Um, no, you you bring his name up and people bring that up. I mean, I did it to you off air and you brought it up. So, I mean. But that's because we were talking about no, stuff no, that I, I know. Did. I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. I'm just saying, you know, people will still readily bring that up. And I think. Look, man, I'm just saying there's there's a disconnect. And, 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 and I will say it's it's an intentional one. There's an intentional disconnect when black athletes are involved in something. And I'm not excusing anything any of these guys did. I, I'm not trying to make a case for any of them. They did things that were wrong and they were punished. Well, not all of them. Kobe wasn't. But they were... They did they did wrong and they deserved what they got as far as press, as far as what people thought. They deserved that. But when the other side of the spectrum, they do it, but it's ignored, that's a problem. And I know we're talking about most hated athletes here, but folks, this is a part 
of why some of these athletes are hated. It's not superficial stuff. This is real stuff that people think on a daily basis. And I think it's one of those things that does not get talked enough, talked about enough that some athletes are just able to, excuse me, get away with it. Uh, I will say, if you're going to bring up Roethlisberger and Favre and settling, it looks like Deshaun Watson's going to get away with settling yeah. with 22 different cases. But that's the thing. I mean, I mean, man, we could talk about settling all day, but the thing is, that will still follow Deshaun Watson. I'm not, again, as it should, but that will still follow Deshaun Watson for the rest of his life. With Favre, you, you even said it yourself. Nobody talks about Favre. Ergo, nobody also talks about what Favre did. Nobody talks about that thing with Roethlisberger. Some people are brave enough to remember it. Some just want it to be gone. So, yeah, I agree. Watson will probably settle. But you can't tell me, and you could never convince me, that Watson, when he steps out on the field or when he does anything, people will not remember that. It's, that's just how it is, man. They're going to remember Ray Lewis's murder trial. They're going to remember Deshaun Watson's thing. They're going to remember Ray Rice, Joe Mixon, all of these black athletes that have done bad things and deserve what they've gotten, some of them. People will not drop it. But when it's other people, because Lance Armstrong really is the only one that I can think of really, and we're no, we're not talking about coaches and accusations. Like We're not talking about Sandusky or anything, but Lance Armstrong is the only guy that I can really think of that is a white athlete that people still just, that guy. Pete Rose. Eh. No, no, do not even end me. <laughs> he is never getting in the Hall of Fame, oh. and for good reason, because yeah. he gambled and he did that, and it, 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 people always now associate that with Pete Rose. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, I think the thing is, yes, it's associated with him. Yes, it is associated, and comedians can live off of Pete Rose's gambling. But people, some people do. The sports writers definitely do. That's why they're keeping him out. But I just won't ever believe that people will just genuinely hate him for that. For sure. I, like I said, some will, but not to that level. You got to understand, man, I don't hear people saying Pete Rose deserves to die like I've heard people say about Vic. You're not, you're not going to hear That's what I'm saying. That's a completely I'm, different crime. No, though, it's a too. completely different crime. It's, it's a different crime, but at the same time, hate is hate, man. And that's what I'm saying. Hate is hate. It doesn't matter where you manifested. Hatred is hatred. So, yeah, gambling is obviously not dogfighting. But at the same time, I, I, no, man. I, Pete Rose, yeah, he's being kept out of the Hall of Fame as he should. But, no, you're, you're, I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with mentioning Pete Rose as far as, like, comparison here. Because, like you said, there is no comparison. Even Pete Rose, even no, Pete all you Rose, were asking was for a white athlete that's going no, to have no, something follow him around no, for the rest no, no, of his life. But check this out: Pete Rose is still able to do commercials. Where? He he's done stuff for Skechers. Boy, you're going to come out with a Skechers commercial? He was a, he of? was in them. He was being able to do stuff. Vic, him had, Vic had NFL commercials when he came back from the NFL. That's different. He had the NFL experience. That's different. Or the Michael Vick experience, which by the way is hilarious. Michael Vick experience. That's different because the NFL was, of course, going to promote him because he was playing well on the field. He was almost going to be on the cover of Madden until he got beat out by a guy who's 
I don't know, doing stuff in movies. I don't know where Peyton Hillis is and don't care. But but that's my point. Look, I will give you Pete Rose. I'll give you Lance Armstrong. But so far, I've named like seven. You're at two. Two! There's the, uh, who's the MLB player that got charged with uh, some kind of assault recently? And I know um, there's the uh, Trevor Bauer, put on leave. Oh, and he's going. That is going to follow him around forever as well. And there is, uh, oh, there was the MLB catcher who got who cheated on a on a random drug test and yeah. got the handler of the drug test fired because he lied and said that that guy did not do his job properly. I think it was Ryan Braun. He was a catcher, and yeah, he, and that followed him forever because he was like you not only lied you cost this guy his job and he cannot get a job in the field now that he's been working in for years because you said that he lied and did not or that he did not handle your spe- the specimen properly it's good to see you know what it's good to see that you have an equal moral compass on the issue Ryan absolutely unfortunately a lot of people don't if you do bad stuff I'm yes. going to remember that. Yes, you will. It's... And I'm proud of you for it. <laughs> but a lot of people will choose to forget it. Okay. <laughs> I just... I haven't even gotten to who I hate, so I, no, I, have, no, to, go ahead. I have to keep some like energy here because I'm about to pop. Go ahead. About to pop. All right. The great sport of baseball obviously had issues in the 90s. And... I don't know. Barry Bonds was not particularly uh, popular even before he started taking steroids. Was not very friendly with the media, not very friendly with um, fans. So he was already kind of, eh. And then he so clearly took performance-enhancing drugs and steroids that it was obvious to anybody that looked at a Barry Bonds before and after picture. And he lied for years and years and years until he finally broke the all-time home run record by the one true king, Hank Aaron. And then, after that, after he retired and was finished playing, came out and was like, oh yeah, I did it. Is this why you're about to pop, Ryan? I you took a actual pioneer, a living legend for I assume not only baseball but Black America at the yes. time as well. You stole that from straight up stole that with performance enhancing drugs and steroids. And I mean, look at this. That's pre, that's post. It's a straight <laughs> it's like a hundred pounds of straight muscle. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm not. I go look. Look at this. I'm telling you guys, if you have not seen a Barry Bonds before and after photo, you have to go look at it because it is clear to everybody. And he denied it. And he stole something from a beloved member of the baseball community and continued to lie about it. And I, I know I, I know a lot of people go like on about Michael Jordan one versus uh, LeBron James two, but I don't know of anybody that looks at the home, all-time home run record 
belonging to Barry Bonds and goes, yeah, that's fair. They, I, I don't know if there's a more unifying hatred for a person than Barry Bonds. Uh, I wouldn't say hate. I wouldn't even say people hate Barry. I mean, you do. It's clear. I, I With Barry, I just think, no, I, I would think it's a mutual agreement that he doesn't deserve to be the home run king, yeah. which is fair. And you know what? If he had said, if he had come out like Sammy Sosa and um, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Jose Canseco, I think Jose can take a lie, but like while they were playing, they all got caught and they were like, you know what? Yep. You got me. It happened. I think even Manny Ramirez. I did it. Then that's one thing. But yeah. he continued to lie all the way through. And everybody knew it. Like there was nobody that was like, no, he couldn't possibly be doing performance enhancing drugs and steroids. What is this nonsense? But I, I think I think you answered your own question. I think that's why Barry's name is still there is because... Like you said, it's pretty obvious when you look at him in the van, the the va- the vascularity and all that. It's obvious what he took and how much he was taking and why he was taking it. But it's like you said, people saw it, people knew it. So why would they take it from him if if they knew that already? Now, like I'm not saying that he deserves to be there. And the fa- and in my opinion, as another, if if there's another black man under him like Hank Aaron, that's fantastic. Is and because that means if Barry's ever wiped out, then Hank Aaron goes back up. But I, I think, as far as that, I'm just like, I mean, like you, you showed me it's, it was obvious, and I watch wrestling, folks, and I can tell when someone's on the juice. So yeah, I, I it's obvious. So my thing is, if you knew he was on it, you let him continue with his career. That's on management, my opinion. It's so, I don't. It, I don't like remember said, it, the it's exact. It's not hard to miss. Um, kind of like Barry after he took steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't. I'm trying to find the exact reason why he didn't. Um. Why he didn't get caught up with everybody else? I mean, he got. He had a mugshot from 2007. Oh, so he lied while under oath. So he was sentenced for perjury and obstruction of justice, but he managed to avoid it by saying that basically his trainer was injecting him with stuff that he didn't know was drugs and steroids. Because obviously it's completely natural to just get absolutely shredded in the span of a season like that. And put on hundreds of pounds of muscle. Yeah. I mean, hey, technically, he's got a point. So I yeah. And I don't maybe it's not hatred, but I know that there's plenty of people who look at that going, you lied and cheated, and you took away a record from somebody that earned it and is a beloved community figure. So already, like just taking that away from Hank Aaron, like he could have done it legitimately and you know that there's going to be people who are like how dare you take that from yeah. Garen? he is a legend but to do it cheatingly okay because i do not because i have to ask you this and i i hate to keep going back here but i'm just saying it matters do you think that they would have taken it away if it was a white guy under him if it wasn't hank aaron 
do you think they'd have been like, all right, no, it's not Barry? No, because again, they didn't actually prove it until after his career was over when he said it. When he, well, couldn't you? Couldn't they have pulled a Reggie? I mean, Reggie won the Heisman. They took it away from him. Different. Um, I mean, theoretically, they could. But they didn't. Because what's the difference between saying, okay, you didn't. Re and keep in mind, Reggie just got his taken away because he was breaking like NCAA policy. It wasn't like he was on anything. Well, he was just breaking policy. The, this the NCAA is, like, is a complete mess anyway. Yeah, and yeah, so exactly. what they do is completely different than the MLB. No, I know that. But I'm just saying like, oh, you got all these home runs on the juice. Sorry, they don't count. No. Because, again, they didn't have a positive test until he and he didn't admit it until he finished play. I mean, they had the pause, but he managed to say that it was the trainer that was giving it to him. So I, th I think it would have been the same either way, no matter who's under him, because he just, they didn't have proof of it at the time until after he's playing. And I think if they were going to, I think Hank Aaron is just as beloved. It's like Babe Ruth's underneath him. I can't imagine if Babe Ruth was a, a Hank Aaron is just as beloved as, as, no, I, as no, Babe Ruth. I, and, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to turn this into a race thing, but these are the questions. Because those are legit questions, whether people want to admit that or they don't. No. And I, if, as far as, no, because baseball fans know, but see, I can't apply that to this, and I wasn't going to, because baseball fans like you know that Hank Aaron, who is also an African-American man, is below Barry Bonds. So, yeah, I agree with you in that Hank Aaron is just as beloved and people don't feel like Barry earned it. But that still causes question of if Hank Aaron and another reality was white, and Barry Bonds stole it from him, would they done something about it? Not unless they caught him during the season. They'd have to have caught him during the career. I, I, I'm just still under the impression it. that people knew they just didn't care. Because you can see it. It's not hard. Well, and that's the thing. Well, the people like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, the steroid era of baseball, a lot of them didn't even like get caught until like the 2000s. Like, it wasn't a big deal until, um, like, late 90s, early 1000s. So, I think it's like it's you told lot, me, people a, in baseball cheat. It's just who gets caught. Again, yeah, well, it, especially in that era, literally everybody was doing it. That's not even an exaggeration. You were putting yourself at a, so far of a disadvantage by not doing it that everybody just did it anyway. That's why it was such a huge deal and why so many people went before Congress because— it was so pervasive throughout clubhouses in America in the 90s that everybody had to do it to keep up. I've had enough talking about this. I've had enough <laughs> talking about what people hate. I hate it. I hate that. We're going to go to we're going to go to a break and then so we can recover and then we're going to go to good stuff because we got a new segment we're starting up called Mount Rushmore's of Sports and we starting off with some basketball and of course we're not going to agree. That'd be too easy. So. No, no, it'd be way too easy. Don't go anywhere. Oh, welcome back to the main events. <laughs> I'm practicing every kind of which way, so I know which way works best. 
we have some good stuff to end on some fun stuff even though we will probably disagree on it here um the nba it's the 75th year of the nba and the nba let out their 75th anniversary team which i thought was pretty cool yeah um 75 best players time as according to a panel of former players coaches writers etc so it's not like it was writers don't need to be in there but okay um yes a blue ribbon panel of current and former nba players coaches general managers team and league executives wnba legends and sports writers and broadcasters oh no no last two no they don't need to be there so that kind of got me thinking what if we did a mount rushmore like if you know Mount Rushmore has the four presidents on it, and we can go that that's neither here nor there with all that stuff. Surrounding <laughs> that. But Mount Rushmore of different things, you know, like who's our who's our Mount Rushmore of X? Yeah, and I think that that's going to be a really fun segment to do because we can yeah. do that with pretty much everything. Yep. But we're going to start with the Mount Rushmore of the NBA. Yeah. And I think we're going to agree on two of them, more or less. But I think well, I'll go first on this one. Yeah. Because I think I'm going to have the more um, probably head scratchers if I had to if I had to. Well, I can't wait them. to hear this head scratchers now. So in no particular order. Yeah. Um, just because they're all going up there anyway. We don't need to re-argue over one, two, three, four, because then we'll be here all night. Yeah, exactly. LeBron and Michael Jordan are up there for sure. Oh, yeah. They are two of the best players all around of all time. Oh, yeah. And they're going up there. Now, George Mikan. Wow. Changed the way basketball was played when he came into the league. There was not really big men in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He came in as a six foot ten, two forty five pound big old boy into the Chicago American Gears of the National Basketball League, pre- predecessor of the modern NBA. <laughs> and he changed the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. He showed that there was, not only on the defensive side, because he was a really good rebounder and blocker, Yeah, but before Kareem came along and made the sky hook, George Mikan perfected the Mikan drill, which is hooks from either hand. Yeah. Ambidextrous hooks. So this guy came in and completely changed how basketball at that time was played. This was back in like his first season uh, when he w- was uh, in the NBL was 1945. And then he went to the Minneapolis Lakers before they moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, that don't even sound right. Minneapolis <laughs> Lakers. No, I don't. There's a bunch of lakes in Minneapolis, so therefore it makes more sense for it to be the Minneapolis Lakers but just than the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers. Tell me how many lakes are in L.A. I'll tell you, zero. There's way too much concrete for there to be lakes in L.A. So he led uh, the league in scoring um, and was the only player in the National Basketball League to score more than 1,000 points in a season. So he was a dominant force and made big men in the NBA a thing. He was the prototypical big man that all these guys, your Kareem, your Shaq, uh, your Dwight Howard, all these guys came around because he came and changed the game. And in my opinion, that's part of making Mount Rushmore is you came in and you changed how the game is played. You changed the face of the NBA forever. So now... 
let me tell you my other. Oh yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you my other slightly uh, divisive pick. Yeah. You know who else changed completely how the NBA played? Who, Ryan? Dirk Nowitzki. Power forward at a time where your centers and forwards were either big men who could dunk or just defensive players. I mean, you had like maybe a Kevin Garnett, but that he wasn't like a super prolific scorer. No. Uh, n- nah. Dw- uh, you had your Dwight, who was a dunker. You had Shaq, who was a dunker. Um, Shaq these guys was dunking defense. Yes. Big. Dirk, in my opinion, paved the way for positionless basketball. He was one of the first big men who could score from anywhere on the court. Yeah. And he opened that up so much that when he, you know, he could shoot the three. Yeah. He was great in the post and yeah. his mid-range game was fantastic. Yep. And so he opened up this new era that we have yep. where as long as you can shoot the basketball, they can put you in on the court. Yeah. And he also really kind of opened up, I mean, you had Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili as well. But he is the most successful European player to date so far. Oh, oh, without a doubt. He won a world title, man. Yeah. So he's opened up all of those people coming over from Europe to play and have success. Yeah. And is a blueprint of how to success. And not only how to have success, but to just be a good dude in the NBA and how to be beloved in the NBA. You know, Very true. Who, who Have you ever heard of anybody going, Dirk Nowitzki? I hate that guy. Other than no. the maybe 2011 NBA uh, uh, Miami Heat fans. Honestly, no. I think... I think honestly, Dirk Nowitzki may be one of the most beloved players of all time. Of all time, because I, I, no one really says anything bad about him. He's a good dude on the court. He's a good dude off the court. He yeah. like spends his Christmases at the Children's Hospital in Dallas, and he just came over as a kid, didn't have any fanfare behind him, and he stuck with the entire team for twenty-one seasons. But yeah. that's that that doesn't have anything to do with it. But he did change the modern game into a game where where anybody can score and kind of opened us up and led us into this era of positionless basketball. Yeah. So in that vein, same vein of George Mikan coming in and changing how we play basketball now, I think that's the same vein. So my Mount Rushmore is going to be Michael Jordan and LeBron, who have also arguably changed the way basketball was played. Oh, right. Jordan and Braun. Like I said, we don't have to talk about them. People should already know we could yeah. be here forever. And then George Mikan... Dirk Nowitzki. Those are my four. No particular order, but I think all of them had such an astounding impact on how you play the game of basketball that they deserve a spot on Mount Rushmore for basketball. Wow. You know, Ryan, uh, you make some very compelling points, and I don't really disagree with them, so I, I think we're wrong. I don't think we're going to really disagree here. So okay. mine is obviously LeBron, Jordan, sure. you know, um, and that one. Uh, third, we're talking about changing the game. Steph Curry, for sure, because okay. Steph Curry really changed. You know, before you now, I'm not saying he's been the only sharpshooter because you had your Reggie Millers, mm-hmm. you had Ray Allen, Larry but Bird, Larry Bird, and I'll get to him in a minute. But Steph Curry made not he changed not only the game, but he changed the culture of basketball. That's true because. Now you have to be able to hit the three, man. Three point. If we, how much have we really valued three point percentage until it was Curry knocking all of them down? Not only that, but the logo three, right? That's what I'm saying. That's his deal too. And now, now you have to be able to shoot the deep, deep. You have to be able to shoot deep threes. You got to be able to shoot the corner pocket. You have to be able to shoot threes in order to have a winning team. There are teams that prioritize three-point shooting over everything else. 
And I think when you look at Steph Curry, because you could argue who was the better shooter, Allen, Miller, Curry, Steph Curry changed the culture. More than changing the game, changed the culture of basketball because now three-point shooting is prioritized above all else. It is the stat in basketball. When you talk basketball, you're talking three-point percentage. Why? Because Steph Curry changed the game for that. And that leads to my number four. Sorry, Dirk. There's a white man that's ahead of you, and it's Larry Bird. Wow. And okay. Larry Bird is on there for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't put Magic Johnson. But Larry Bird is ahead for me because, in my opinion, he was, he was the first sign. Because, let's face it, white guys have been playing basketball before black guys were allowed to play. Mm -hmm. But Larry Bird proved, because he was, he, was, he, he was like Tom Brady. He wasn't athletic at all. But Larry Bird, in my opinion, changed the perception because he came in and was like, okay, I'm not athletic. I'm not going to do dunks. I'm not going to jump out of the gym, but I am going to be one of the best shooters on the court. And he became that. By shooting a hundred, shooting a hundred threes in one night for practice, Larry Bird, and I know it's weird being a black guy and making a case for a white guy who opened doors for white men everywhere. But in all seriousness, Larry Bird became, I think, the guy that a lot of white people could look. I mean, black people loved him too, but especially with his friendship with Magic. But I think. He became the white guy that a lot of white people looked up to when it came to playing basketball because by that time he was playing, basketball had transitioned into what it is now, which is a predominantly black sport that predominantly black people like to watch and care for. But Larry Bird was that guy. He blurred racial lines at a time that there was still racial division, and he showed a lot of white people that, yeah, you know, we're, that's where you get your Nowitzkis and your Gordon Haywards. Guys who may not be athletic, but they can definitely shoot. You got that from Larry Bird, in my opinion. And I think when you look at what Larry Bird has done in that in that arena, it has changed. And yeah, you could make a case if Mount Rushmore had five people, I would put Magic Johnson on there. Magic Johnson because, was my close number five. Too. Yeah, no, no, because you can't. And that, I think that's the ironic thing. You can't. You still can't talk about Larry and not talk about Magic. And it's not just because they were friends. It's because Magic Johnson, six foot nine, the biggest point guard to ever play. Mm -hmm. He revolutionized that because that's why it's kind of natural that you can see someone like LeBron play play the one position. Yeah, turn him and, into the Showtime Lakers. Exactly, and I think with Magic Johnson, whenever it came with scoring or assisting or whatever, Magic Johnson was there and he was clutch. And I think, I think the thing is when you look at basketball, this is why it's so hard to have a Mount Rushmore for basketball or who's to say who's the goat. Because for those of you who don't know, Ryan is not in my age group. He's <laughs> significantly older than me. No, no. He's a 90s a kid. Only a decade. Really. Exactly. And so, you know, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but it relates. Because when you're looking at basketball, it's hard to say who's on your Mount Rushmore without feeling like you're snubbing anybody or who's the GOAT here or there. Because the, de the times have changed. The culture of basketball has changed. The game's changed. Because you're always going to put Jordan ahead of LeBron. I uh, I thought if LeBron could somehow drag Russell Westbrook to an NBA title, <laughs> that that might change my mind. But I'm not 100% sure that that's yeah. going to happen now. So uh, for right now, yes, I'm sticking with Jordan. I'm not saying it'll never happen. Um, I think uh, LeBron 
theoretically uh, breaking Kareem's scoring record, which he should do, but he's also battling injuries, so I'm kind of wondering if he's even going to get I, to that. He, he will. Um, is definitely a case, but man, it's just it's hard to. You have the you have the goat and the king, and yeah. I think for me, I will always say LeBron, just because LeBron, in my opinion, was a better all around player. Because LeBron plays defense. He plays the one. He plays the two. He plays the three. He can play the four. Sometimes they'll even put him at the five because he fills up a lot of space. I mean, wouldn't you at like 265? Yeah, but that's also a product of the positionless basketball that we play. No, now. no, no. Like, but I think that, if but Jordan, that's what I'm saying. The the game, see, now we're getting into the thing where we weren't going to talk about. <laughs> but that's the thing. The game changed. With Jordan, nobody was doing that. So I agree that you can't really hold that against him. But you do have to add that to LeBron in his resume because that is the truth. LeBron plays every position on the floor, and that is a big deal. And here's the thing. We could go by championship accolades and who went undefeated and whatever. Let's not forget, Jordan got bounced around in the playoffs, too. He got bounced by the Pistons. He got bounced by the Celtics. He wasn't always 6-0, and all right? So oh, there's no shame in losing to that Pistons team. At no, that but time, th that's though. what I'm saying. And there's no shame. So are, is there shame in LeBron losing to the Warriors or the Spurs? Not the Warriors, not the Spurs, but he did lose to the Mavericks. And I love the little Mavericks. But <laughs> you look at that on paper, and that could have been a clean 4-0 sweep. Nah, and nah. I don't care what anybody says. That was a Cinderella story, and the Heat yeah. had every advantage going into it. So that one I will hold up against. Yeah, you, but see, that that's one That's one game. That's one series. I'm not going to hold against him losing to the Spurs, especially when you're the man carrying the team. And what I don't like when it comes to Jordan, man, you're right, we really are doing this. What I don't like when it comes to Jordan is people want to ignore. There was Scotty. There was uh, there was Steve Kerr shooting threes. We're talking about white men shooting threes. There was Steve Kerr. Jordan had people. LeBron did. I'm not saying LeBron didn't, but LeBron James, even when he had people like Kyrie and Kevin Love, was the one carrying on so his Jordan. back. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. When I say carrying, I mean. Carrying, like he's the only one doing something, only one scoring, only one doing anything to put them to a win. Who, who? who that was LeBron. Who did LeBron win his his first championship with? That was Miami. Miami. Being who did he with have with Miami? Chris Bosh and Dwayne, and Dwayne Wade. Wade and Ray Allen and Ray Allen and Udonis Haslam, who is a great defender and Ryan, rebounder. Ryan, stop! You lost me at Udonis. Stop. Udonis Haslam. So, okay. We're gonna put even, Udonis Haslam on a list. Even if you take out those, you telling me that Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and Ray Allen are so not at least say, equivalent to. Jordan did it alone. No, I'm not saying he did alone. Exactly. But he, the, they, the, the, you can't say that. Oh yeah, because I mean, Jordan took like nobody on the Bulls into the playoffs as well. Just like he got bounced, but he took a team of basically nobodies into the playoffs, just like LeBron. Exactly. Before everybody got there. Exactly. And then when they got there, they won a championship. No, now, don't no. that make it? Hmm. My, my thing is the reason I brought that up is because Jordan supporters, Jordan, Jordan fans, Jordan nerds, Jordan marks, make it seem that it was all MJ by himself all the time. I can admit as a LeBron mark that, yes, LeBron James had Wade, Bosch, Irvin, Love, Allen. Yes, LeBron James surrounded himself with people. But at the end of the day, Jordan did too. Yes. It's not one. That's why I brought that. I wasn't saying that LeBron was the only one out of one of them who's carried people. I was just saying 
just like Jordan's carried people, so has LeBron. Sure. In, 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 in more times, a losing effort, I will agree with. But he's carried people, and they both had people. Yeah. So it's not, oh, well, Jordan was... Because that's my problem with people like Skip Bayless, who I think he makes fun of Shannon Sharp. I think Skip Bayless, you know, sleeps in his Jordan bed on his Jordan bed sheets because he makes it seem that Jordan did everything alone, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. If he didn't get bounced alone, he didn't win alone. Same thing with LeBron. If he didn't get bounced alone, he didn't win alone. I but agree. the fact is, look, the, the fact is when it comes to LeBron and Jordan, let, let's just put it like this. Let's just put it like this because this is the truth. With Michael Jordan, there is an emotional connection for 90s kids or late 80s and 90s kids because beyond Michael Jackson, greatest artist of all time, deal with that. Oh, we're going to discuss that off air. Greatest artist of all time, Jordan was the most popular icon in the in the late 80s and 90s apart from like people in entertainment music it was jordan he was everywhere it was i want to be like mike it was the shoes it was the appearances it was everything and it's the same thing with me i was born in 2001 so who did i grow up with in that arena lebron, LeBron james yes so there is an emotional connection to the people we support. Agreed. Even Skip Bayless has admitted, well, he won't. He used to follow Jordan around as a reporter. So, of course, that is going to be his selling point. But at the end of the day, like you said and like I've said, the game has changed. Jordan, greatest player back then. Modern times, and by modern, I mean 2000s, it goes to LeBron James without question. There is one thing... That Jordan has over LeBron right now. Six rings. Six of these versus four. Your point being, it's a miracle to get one. What's your point? point? being is if we're going to go one, two, then that's my main argument for It Jordan. shouldn't be, though. Why not? Championship should not be your main argument. We call Tom Brady the GOAT because he's won seven. No, because no, people were doing that before he won seven. When he won five. My no, bad. People, yeah. No, no, not when he won five. My bad. No, he people were doing that when, when that guy only had four. All right? When he only had four, which was like still more than any quarterback at time. But history. the point, but people were still making a point for Montana in the people before him, and now it's just like, well, he's got seven. Look, I will always have a problem with just championships being the only deciding factor. Because if that's the case, Muhammad Ali didn't win the most boxing belts, so he's not the greatest. If we're gonna go championships, that's what I'm saying. You can't just say, well, he won more. Sure, he did. Sure, Michael Jordan did. Then what else? Sure, are we going he played on? the game. You go by stats for one. You go by okay. all-around play. Michael Jordan. So we're had... going to say Jordan was a better all-around player than LeBron James was and is. We're going to say that Jordan played the one, the two, the three, and the four, and the five. We're going to say that he played all, both he, sides of the ball equally. He could guard the one, the two, and the three. Now, the fours were a different breed back then. Because so he not, was small. Because so yeah. he was a little bit smaller, yeah. So, But in terms of – here's your postseason points per game, by the way, because you're talking about uh, them dragging – uh, Michael was putting up 33.4 points per game. Yeah. LeBron puts up 28.7. Uh, rebounds, LeBron has the edge, 9 to 6.4. Assists, pretty even, 7.2 to LeBron, 5.7 to Michael. And then steals goes to Michael, 2.1 to 1.7. Again, very close. And blocks, they're both at 0. .9. Yeah. It's... Uh, 
pretty even. Although Michael definitely has the free throw advantage. He's he's making eighty three percent or made eighty three percent, and LeBron's put up seventy four. Yeah. So just by stats, it gets slight edge to Michael, maybe averaging five point points more per game. But if the, if that was what see, but I could respect that more. If you if 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 that's what we're going off of is stats and performance, we're going off of everything. If, but but so that's what championships I'm saying. Champion, have to be a factor. No, championships too. will always matter, but it shouldn't be the only thing, right? Because it's too many people. Michael Michael six, LeBron four. So what happens if Lebr- LeBron James plays out and ends up getting seven? If, if LeBron gets seven and has those roughly same stats, it's easily LeBron. There's oh really? Even, yeah. So so no so no one's gonna talk about. That it would be what was what was it? Is he four and three right in the finals? It's four and yeah. three. If you win seven, I mean nobody talks about Brady losing like four, right? He he's won like four, three or four. They all talk about how he won. Was it seven now? I lose track. Yeah, it's seven. So nobody's talked about the three or four he's lost, other than just like, oh well, he's well, lost. That's clear, some. yeah, especially with Jordan. That's clear. And so yeah, so look, I mean, I think the other thing that Jordan once he got to the finals, he's undefeated, right? He got to the final six times, won six times. So, I mean, I don't think that that should factor in. Just the fact that he's won six is a big deal. However many you lose doesn't really matter, in my opinion. But, yeah, if LeBron gets to seven rings or even gets to six rings and keeps those same stats, I don't see any reason why not. So so this is this is my thing. Oh, 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 oh okay. So, so this is my thing. So technically, if we're just going to go off the titles, right? Uh huh. Then MJ's not anywhere close to being the goat. You got to call Bill Russell close. the goat. Oh yeah, and maybe even Wilt Chamberlain because they got more than Michael does. Tell me I'm wrong. If we're going by and see Jordan fans hate that argument, but if you're gonna go by championships, then it's Bill Russell. Okay. If you're gonna go by just championships, sure. But I've never gone by just. Championships. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm just saying if we, if we're just gonna go by belts. God, I'm a wrestling fan at heart. If we're going to go by rings, then it's Russell. Sure. Because he's got enough of that and a big toe. And that's a fact. If we're going to go by performance and titles. Michael Jordan. Nah. Nah. Yes. No. If you're doing performance and titles. We just talked about this on the stats. I just gave you the stats. No. I just gave you the stats. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And And Jordan... Jordan beat Braun by five points in average performance. Uh-huh. LeBron James is not going to stop playing anytime soon. Uh-huh. Don't you think that that five points is going to become a difference later? Yeah, it could go down if as he gets older. Nah. This is LeBron James. We were talking about the king, the machine. We're not talking about an average man here. All right? Jordan, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Jordan on the court. Off the court, can't stand him. But I... It is one of those things where most this is the most passionate sports argument for a reason because both of these guys in their own times are the best in the game, in the world, all time. That's why I get mad when people try to say Look, Kobe's better than LeBron. No. No. And then when people try to say Kevin Durant might be – no. And then Kawhi – no. It's LeBron James for the 2000s. It's Jordan for the 90s. That's 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 just. But now it. we're in the 2010s. Exactly. And who's been ruling over the NBA in the 2010s? One king, one. LeBron James. Tim Duncan didn't make this list. No, he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. There's okay, a reason so LeBron, for that. Let's let's be real though, because like, uh, when did LeBron James come into the league? I 
want to say, what was it? Oh, uh, yeah, 03 was his rookie yeah. season. So he didn't start being an MVP. His first MVP season wasn't until the end of the 09. Okay. So to call him the king of the thousands king. is a bit aggressive. King. King of the 2010s? Turn into Absolutely. Shannon Sharp. King. Absolutely. But king of the 2000s? Who was a better player in the 2000s than LeBron James? Please tell me. Who was a better player in the 2000s than LeBron? Mm. Hold on. Let me bring up some players from the 2000s. Look, that was, that was 20 years ago. I ain't going to be listing people from the 20s or the 2000s. But you can list people from the 90s pretty well. It, uh, let's see. Kobe. Kobe from the for the for the 2000s in the prime of his career was the king. LeBron James was the up-and-coming prince. Kobe was Co the king. That's Kobe, what we're doing now? Kobe for the 2000s. Black Mamba. Was the absolute beast. Was the goat of the... If we're going by decades. If we're going by decades. If we're going by decades. Because you remember... Lakers were still winning. Lakers were still winning. But more importantly, like this was the guy who took the mantle from Jordan. They played in an all-star game together. Yeah, I know. Like Kobe they, was around in the 90s. He, yeah, I remember. He took the mantle from, from Jordan himself. And then kind of like passed it on when he and, Jordan, when he and uh, LeBron were playing in all-star games together later on. But for the 2000s, got to be Kobe. Fair enough. But when we hit, when we hit 2010s, I'll give you LeBron. It's LeBron all day. But I, okay, if we're going by decade, Jordan, I, Bryant, James, I'll give you that. I, I'll I'll give you the Black Mamba okay. before, before the King. I'll give you that. Let's we'll shake on well, this. Yeah, this we'll is a good, it's that. a good compromise it's, it's here because otherwise we're not going to agree on anything. No, else no, we will. <laughs> and we had agreed before the show that we weren't going to talk about it because we knew we would devolve into it. But that's just what. That's just how this argument is. Yeah, it you, you get sucked in. Because I just don't think you can escape there. it. No, you 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 have to answer LeBron or Jordan. Now the answer just, you give may depend if you still have friends to ask you those questions. But look, this is why we do this though, because we can be friends. I mean, even though we <laughs> just completely disagree. Oh, on... oh, very much so. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Okay, so what do you want to do next week for? Uh... For uh, next week, Mount gotta, Rushmore. Next week, gotta be NFL. Do you want to do like quarterbacks? Because we uh, trying yeah. to pick like so we'll do a position. Yeah, we'll do a position. Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks. Yes, love it. That sounds like a, I like that segment. We can do a lot of different ones of those. Yeah, yeah, be fun. All right. Well, it's been a whole lot of fun here on the main events. We appreciate y'all listening today. Yep. We will be back next week. Wednesdays, Wednesdays. again. Yes, back to Wednesdays. And we will have it posted up. Big old thank you to KNTU, Dan Bala, Mark Lambert for letting us host out of the green studio here. Thank you very much for listening. As always, my name is Ryan Baldwin. I'm Mason Shepard. Y'all have a great evening.